0: Chapter 12 of Thomas Wingfold, Curate, by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 An Incident It was a fair morning of All Hollow Summer. The trees were nearly despoiled, but the grass was green, and there was a memory of spring in the low, sad sunshine. Even the sunshine, the gladdest thing in creation, is sad sometimes. There was no wind, nothing to fight with, nothing to turn his mind from its own miserable perplexities. How endlessly his position as a clergyman, he thought, added to his miseries. Had he been a man unpledged, he could have taken his own time to think out the truths of his relations. As it was, he felt like a man in a coffin. Out he must get, but had not room to make a single vigorous effort for freedom. It did not occur to him yet that, unpressed from without, his honesty unstung, he might have taken more time to find out where he was than would have been either honest or healthful. He came to a stile where his path joined another that ran both ways, and there seated himself just as the same strange couple I have already described as met by Miss Lingard and Mr. Bascom approached and went by. After they had gone a good way, he caught sight of something lying in the path, and going to pick it up, found it was a small manuscript volume. With the pleasurable instinct of service, he hastened after them. They heard him, and turning, waited his approach. He took off his hat, and presenting the book to the young woman, asked if she had dropped it. Possibly, had they been ordinary people of the class to which they seemed to belong, he would not have uncovered to them, for he naturally shrunk from what might be looked upon as a display of courtesy, but their deformity rendered it imperative. Her face flushed so at the sight of the book, that, in order to spare her uneasiness, Wingfold could not help saying with a smile, Do not be alarmed, I have not read one word of it. She returned his smile with much sweetness, and said, "'I see I need not have been afraid.' Her companion joined in the thanks and apologies for having caused him so much trouble. Wingfold assured them that it had been but a pleasure. It was far from a scrutinizing look with which he regarded them, but the interview left him with the feeling that their faces were refined and intelligent, and their speech was good. Again he lifted his rather shabby hat. The man responded with equal politeness in removing from a neat gray head one rather better, and they turned from each other and went their ways, the sight of their malformation arousing in the curate no such questions as those with which it had agitated the tongue, if not the heart of George Bascombe, to widen the scope of his perplexities. He had heard the loud breathing of the man, and had seen the projecting eyes of the woman, but he never said to himself, therefore, that they were more hardly dealt with than he. Had such a thought occurred to him, he would have comforted the pain of his sympathy with the reflection that at least neither of them was a curate of the Church of England, who knew positively nothing of the foundation upon which that church professed to stand. How he got through the Sunday, he could never have told. What times a man may get through, he knows not how. As soon as it was over, it was all a mist, from which gleamed or gloomed large the face of George Bascom with its keen, unbelieving eyes and scornful lips. All the time he was reading the prayers and lessons, all the time he was reading his uncle's sermon, he had not only been aware of those eyes, but aware also of what lay behind them, seeing and reading the reflex of himself in Bascom's brain, but nothing more whatever could he recall. Like finger-posts dim-seen on a moorland journey, through the gathering fogs, Sunday after Sunday passed. I will not request my reader to accompany me across the confusions upon which was blowing that wind whose breath was causing a world to pass from chaos to cosmos. One who has ever gone through any experience of the kind himself will be able to imagine it. To one who has not my descriptions would be of small service. He would but shrink from the representation as diseased and of no general interest, and he would be in so far right, that the interest in such things must be most particular and individual, or none at all. The weeks passed, and seemed to bring him no light, only increased earnestness in the search after it some assurance he must find soon else he would resign his curacy and look out for a situation as a tutor of course all this he ought to have gone through long ago but how can a man go through anything till his hour become saul of tarsus was sitting at the feet of gamaliel when our lord said to his apostles yea the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth god's service wingfold had all this time been skirting the wall of the kingdom of heaven without even knowing that there was a wall there not to say seeing a gate in THE FAULT LAY WITH THOSE WHO HAD BROUGHT HIM UP TO THE CHURCH AS TO THE PROFESSION OF MEDICINE, OR THE BAR, OR THE DRAPERY BUSINESS, AS IF IT LAY ON ONE LEVEL OF CHOICE WITH OTHER HUMAN CALLINGS. NOR WERE THE HONORED OF THE CHURCH WHO HAD TAUGHT HIM FREE FROM BLAME, WHO HAD NEVER WARNED HIM TO PUT HIS SHOES OFF HIS FEET FOR THE HOLINESS OF THE GROUND. But how were they to warn him, if they had sowed, and reaped, and gathered into barns on that ground, and had never discovered therein treasure more holy than libraries, incomes, and the visits of royalty? As to visions of truth that make a man sigh with joy, and enlarge his heart with more than human tenderness, how many of those men had ever found such treasure in the fields of the church? How many of them knew, save by hearsay, whether there be any Holy Ghost? How then were they to warn other men from the dangers of following in their footsteps and becoming such as they? Where in a general ignorance and community of fault shall we begin to blame? Wingfold had no time to accuse anyone after the first gush of bitterness. He had to awake from the dead and cry for light and was soon in the bitter agony of the cataleptic struggle between life and death. He thought afterwards, when the time had passed, that surely in this period of darkness he had been visited and upheld by a power whose presence and even influence escaped his consciousness. He knew not how else he could have got through it. Also he remembered that strange helps had come to him, that the aspects of nature then wonderfully softened towards him, that then first he began to feel sympathy with her ways and shows, and to see in them all the working of a diffused humanity. He remembered how once a hawthorn bud set him weeping, and how once, as he went miserable to church, a child looked up in his face and smiled and how in the strength of that smile he had walked boldly to the lectern he never knew how long he had been in the strange birth agony in which the soul is as it were at once the mother that bears the child and the child that is born end of chapter 12 read by john sherman winfield illinois